Welcome to the Influency Podcast. I'm Hadar and this is episode number 135. And today we have a special guest that you are going to love because we are going to talk about English fluency, the English language industry, and AI, artificial intelligence. And it is going to be so, so interesting. So stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Influency Podcast. Today, we have a guest that is going to talk to us about language processing and artificial intelligence. Sounds intimidating or fascinating? Probably both. So my guest today, Jazzy, is an English teacher as well as a linguist. She's probably a linguist first, but she's an English teacher at heart. And she loves and so passionate about the field of natural language processing and artificial intelligence and the difference between language processing in humans and in computers. So she will share with us what we can learn from computers when it comes to language processing. And I promise you, it's going to be so interesting. We also talked about my work with Google, helping Google create the pronunciation tool called Pronto, where you can see the phonetic transcription of a word, as well as practice your pronunciation, where you click on practice and then you say the word and then you get feedback. So she was asking me questions about that. I was asking her questions about her work. We also talked about the language learning industry, something that we love doing. Jazzy is also a member of English Teachers Academy, my membership for teachers. And this is a hot topic always. So if you're passionate about improving your communication skills, your pronunciation, and you love using technology for that, and especially, especially if you're an English teacher and you want to know how technology can help you help your students, then this episode is for you. You can also watch the video version. I'm going to post the link to it in the show notes. And today you'll get the best parts out of those interviews as we brought them to you here. So let's go ahead and listen. Hello, Yazzie. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm very happy to be with you here today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to have you here. We've known each other for, for a while, and I've been actually waiting for a good opportunity to let you talk to the beautiful people here and share all your beautiful knowledge and everything that you have yeah. to share. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I was actually uh, waiting for this conversation a long time ago because I've been following you way longer than you think. And... Uh, I think that by talking to you, maybe I can also talk to other pronunciation coaches, other people who teach English and who feel that they are very insecure about teaching pronunciation because, you know, it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult thing to do. 
So maybe uh, I can provide some tools. And while I'm talking to you, I will also talk through you <laughs> to other people out there. Directly. You can speak directly to all the people, the teachers and the learners trying to make sense of, you know, teaching pronunciation in a simple way. And since we have such incredible tools out there to help us, there's no reason why, you know, they shouldn't know about this and use it in their teaching. Yeah. So if you're a teacher, you should definitely stick around to learn more about what we have in store for you. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Mexican. I've been a teacher for almost 20 years. <laughs> I never want to say that because people start guessing my age. So yeah, I started when I was 10 years old, of course. Of course. And then, uh-huh. Three, and, uh, actually three, you know. <laughs> three years old, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, after being a teacher and, you know, getting certifications and being trained and, and a BA and then a master's uh, in teaching English or teaching with technology, I thought that I needed something else. I didn't think that uh, it was enough. And I wanted to know what it was like to learn a language when you travel to another country. So I decided to uh, travel to Germany <laughs> and study wow. another MA. Yeah, I know it was a drastic change because I didn't speak any German at all. And yeah, you know, like those cliches that people go like, hey, if you travel to the other country where people speak the language, you're going to learn it the best. And uh, that's not always the case, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that. And yeah. And I my, love all those beliefs. Like, you know, if you do this, then that. It's like, no, doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah no, that's not always the case. <laughs> and then I was, as I was uh, in Germany, um, I had this class about pronunciation, instruction, and everything. And I, I learned that um, there's a lot of cliches out there. If you are not a native speaker, maybe you're not um, trained, or you don't have the gift, or you don't have the enough experience and knowledge to teach pronunciation. And the first thought that came to my mind was like, okay, maybe I cannot do it, but will I be able to bring a native speaker to my small community in this remote places in the world where they don't have this lifestyle, they don't have the things they're used to, will they actually be willing to come and teach pronunciation to my students? And then I thought, hey, technology is out there for me. Maybe I cannot do it, but technology will help me. So I conducted a series of experiments and research throughout my, my MA, working with uh, automatic speech recognition and artificial intelligence. It was two year experience and I've been working with it after that for four years. So I've been able to observe and the behavior of computers and the behavior of learners. And I think that wow. these insights are gonna be helpful for many people. Also, when I was in Germany, I was also a part of the linguistic laboratory of the university. So I had the chance to help other researchers, PhDs, MA students with their linguistic data. And, you know, the more you're in contact with it, the more insights you get and the more you make relationships between the phenomenon. And yeah, that's, that's why I came from being a teacher to being very interested in what computers can do to help teachers. Right. Yeah. And then jumping into artificial intelligence. And now my job as a linguist also has to, well, it comes from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, having all that knowledge is so, 
it's like having superpowers because you know all aspects it's not just like the intuitive human part of pronunciation but you also understand first of all like how technology can help which is amazing uh, and not a lot of people have access to it like we said at the beginning but i think that the research really gave you a lot of insights as to how the brain works would you say that that's true yeah well just sitting there in the laboratory and talking to the people my peers or my teachers who had a bunch of data that they collected and they wanted to analyze like even just sitting down in there and helping them learning what they wanted me to do like i'm not an expert and i've never said i'm an expert at anything but i've been with experts <laughs> and i know what they look for and sometimes you don't even realize there are things that you have to look for <laughs> when you're wow. talking about languages so there are so many things out there that that have to do with language and linguistic analysis that we are not aware of and we mm -hmm. just take for granted or yes we have the the feeling that something's going on but we it we don't have right. the name or we don't yeah. have the data to prove that is is right or wrong yeah uh so just being there it was it was an amazing experience you know i fell in love with research in there. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine, yeah. even though it requires a lot of attention to detail, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Like, a, and, and every to... time people are at the lab, you, I also had some wiping <laughs> napkins in there because, yeah, people get really frustrated. And yeah, I was in there, I've been there as well. So I know. It's Amazing. A, I respect research because it's a hard process. It's a really, really yeah. difficult thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> And it seems like an incredible experience to live abroad and to kind of like immerse yourself in a different culture, working and, and communicating in English, just like on a personal level. I, I'm assuming that that was really worthwhile as well. Yeah. And well, uh, before being to Germany, I had the opportunity to travel to the U.S. also to get the t teacher certification as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, Europe is a different thing. <laughs> People yeah. in Europe speak so many languages and yeah. it's hard to find someone who speaks only one language. So when yeah. you arrive in Europe and you go like, hey, I speak two languages, that's my superpower. People go exactly. Like, Seriously. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, I speak five, so. Yeah, and the ones you speak are so generic. Everyone can mm -hmm. speak them. So <laughs> what's, what's the new thing you bring to the table? And yeah, it was very eye-opening. And also it gave me a lot of confidence because before nice. being to Europe, I thought that my English was not intelligible enough. Maybe I still had to work on that. But then when I was in Europe, I met people from all over the world. And just finding out that all of them understood what I wanted to say was enough. <laughs> Right. And I was happy. I was like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. So let's begin by, you know, the first question, what is artificial intelligence? Yeah, well, there are many definitions out there, but I will try to give you like the simplest one that everyone likes <laughs> and that everyone understands. Artificial intelligence is the process in which humans can make machines behave like humans. I mean, that's a very broad one, right? But if, for example, if you have a camera and you shoot and you, you know, shoot a picture and you take a picture, the camera will do processes that humans don't do, right? I don't, I adjust my eyeball 
to to focus or anything. I mean, it just does right. it. Uh, my eye does it. Luckily, luckily, <laughs> we don't have to do that every day. We look. Wait, yeah. let me adjust well, it. Yeah. I have to wear my glasses, so maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> cameras can do it better than I. But anyway, <laughs> so when a camera can recognize ch- shapes and focus mm-hmm. and mm. do what we do naturally, that's when we call it artificial intelligence, mm, right? I see. Yeah, and then artificial intelligence intends to give the machines the processes or provide all the steps so that mm. machines can do things that humans do, for example, see. Mm-hmm. speak mm-hmm. hear mm-hmm. and they are working on touch and smell wow they cannot work and still they have a lot of trouble working with taste because machines just don't care <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah yeah th- there's so many wow. aspects of the human um nature that are trying to be yeah. mimicked by artificial intelligence now that yeah that, that's what makes it so amazing it's like how how do you have a machine do what you do that yeah. the thing is that the combination of all these processes is what makes it more interesting so it's not the same to just have the camera like you you're an instagram and instagram can just recognize your features and know where your eyes are and then you know apply a filter but then do that do do that and still uh, answer or say your name recognize mm. your face and then say hi hadar that's like oh god that's what it wow. makes you feel that oh it, this is impressive like the camera is not only recognizing my features but it's also saying my name because that's something we do right yeah when i see you i say hey hi hadar that's a so a lot of people have like this fear maybe an unexplained fear around artificial intelligence where okay the robots are going to take over the world or our job and you know can you speak to that a little bit to that why do people i would say resist like if you've seen that in your field right yeah. whether it's in language or artificial intelligence in general and what you think about that yeah well Yes, uh, there there are so many people out there who feel that first their privacy is not being respected by AI, and mm-hmm. they also fear that they are giving away so much information that AI can do something against them. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, there are people who feel that AI is going to get to a stage where it's going to be so intelligent that it's going to be way more efficient than human beings replacing and, you. I mean we already have that if we compare it to a few like 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so there are international organizations right now working against that. So for mm-hmm. example in Europe there are very strict regulations on the use of private data. So companies cannot just go and use whatever they want. Uh, you have to give them access, but it's not all, only the, the user because sometimes we users don't know what we're actually giving access. Of, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the in- institutions, organizations are, wait, are looking after our rights and they're going like, no, you're not using this by no means. Like not, not even if the user says, yes, you're not using this and that. And also mm. artificial intelligence hasn't reached the level to be dangerous yet. What artificial intelligence does right now, which I think is, is the, the matter, is that it reflects the actual world. 
So mm. it amplifies what is already there. So there were so many people, That's so nice. many like years ago thinking of, eh, yeah, but Google translation will translate bad words or chatbots, they will say bad words at you. And it's like, it's not the chatbot because the chatbot doesn't know what is uttering or what is writing or typing, but it's, it's just a reflection of all the data that is out there mm. online for free, all the, you know, the banks of data. So the machine just looks for the most frequent sequences, the most common, the, the, the frequent patterns, and it will bring you that. So you can either use it to your advantage, but we can yeah. also see that there's a lot of inconsistencies, but it's just reflecting the world. It says so much about us, you know, exactly. and about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really, that's really cool. I never thought about that. So talk to me about artificial intelligence and language processing and le learning. So how do you, how does that work? I know that this is what you do. So I know you can't talk a lot about what you do, but a little bit about how it works. Like, how do you teach a computer to understand a language? Okay, so as I was telling you, we are... Uh, trying to teach computers how to hear and how to speak, okay? So you are a pronunciation coach, and I'm going to test you today. Yeah, so you have so a little many... presentation also prepared yes, for us do, for that, yes. But just like a, in a general view, yeah. So computers can extract sound, decode it, mm -hmm. get the gist, codify, like, what is this person asking for so they can get the keywords right and then they look for those keywords in banks of dictionaries that are built by linguists and computer engineers uh -huh. and then computers grab the meaning from there and then the engineers and the linguists told the computer hey when when you grab this reply this so then the computer mm. will look for the answer and try to generate an answer to give you like if it can be an action if you ask mm -hmm. a virtual assistant to do something for you, or it can be a reply just in a conversational artificial intelligence. So there are different paths like of what language is used for, if it's for you to give directions to a virtual assistant or to have a conversation. So there are different um, branches in there. But what linguists do with computer engineers is to do that, like, codify all the banks of data and mm -hmm. annotate and go like, okay, this is a noun. This is a verb. The person is asking you for a thing. The person is asking you for information. So we find like which words from a language convey asking for something. Oh, okay. Yeah. All these, this, 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 and that. And then linguists give all this data to the computer scientists and they go, they code it in such a way that the computer can retrieve it when, whenever it's necessary and just bring it to you and display or do whatever they want. This process is called natural language processing, and it has mm. natural language understanding, which is the part of the computer that will learn to hear, and yeah. natural language generation, which mm -hmm. is how the computers will... The production. Speak. Exactly, exactly. Have we reached the level where a, a person can have a real conversation, full conversation with a computer? Yeah. But um, actually, it, yeah, I was reading a paper. There was some latest releases from Google. Uh, let me tell you something. Ten years ago, computers were really bad at understanding and replying. Five years later, they improved a lot. And then 
two years later, they amplify their databases and now they are bringing many more nationalities, accents, uh, data, mm. linguistic information. They are hiring linguists now. So com companies are competing really, really hard to bring the latest, the best um, advances in language processing. So right now there are some robots out there, like very famous robots that can have a conversation with you, but we also need to analyze the type of conversation. Like how likely mm. are these conversations to happen? So for example, if I go like, hey, Heather, how are you? And you say, hi, Jesse, I'm fine. Well, that's such a frequent conversation that everyone says in all the languages yeah it's not surprising that a robot can do it right but yeah. when we talk about other very um skeptical philosophical difficult topics that are not very frequent that's when the virtual assistant or the the va the robot will likely give you weird or somewhat not very um accurate responses yeah right yeah. so it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. machine <clears throat> learning so it's it's a matter of how frequent something is and yeah. the sequences of frequency of a topic in mm -hmm. a language and that's what the the artificial intelligence just goes out there brings what is out there what people already mm -hmm. do and just brings it and provides all that knowledge to a computer and the computer nice. will just look for sequences and frequencies and and just reply what the most common answers are so the more exposure to natural language, the better, yes. the better yes. it becomes. Yeah. Yes. And that's something that I really, really like because, well, it's so interesting to me that many people go like, oh, no, I want to learn English with a native speaker because I want to have their accent and because I want to be able to understand them. So let me tell you that artificial intelligence, the biggest banks of data out there are produced in English. So, mm -hmm. because everyone out there in the world, if they want to say something, they most of the times translate it into English so that it's available for everyone around the world, right? So yeah. the biggest banks of data out there are in English. And then you go like, I want to learn and sound and speak this specific variety of English. And then artificial intelligence learned many years ago that that was not enough because you lose a lot of people. Because if yeah. computers are only able to understand native speakers, and there are so many non-native speakers of the language out there, that's a lot of market. <laughs> that's a lot of people whom yeah. VAs cannot understand. So what did they do? Well, they exposed the computers to so many different accents out there so yeah. that the computers could become more effective to mm. give an answer or to provide a service. So why is it that computers and companies are investing so much money to do that, but we limit ourselves to one specific variety or one specific yeah. thing? So learners out there. Such a good you, point. Yeah, so learners, people, if you want to be more uh, trained than a computer to understand people, I suggest try to understand so many accents out there and try yeah. to yeah that, that will make you more valuable for the market for the job market in this case because if companies are spending so much money that's because that's a trend because yeah. in the future we all will be one right i can definitely recognize a big difference in you know the 
voice to text features, let's say 10 years ago, when I was just you started teaching and using it, it was so strict, which was, you know, if I tried to teach a proper sound, then there was no deviation. But now, which I love, you know, there's a lot more freedom and it doesn't recognize it word by word. So like it really understands the entire meaning of the sentence too, which is incredible to me. That's mind blowing because I was deliberately mispronouncing words in the context of the other word to see how it behaves. And it definitely detects my intention. So I can definitely see that it's much more open to sounds and mistakes and definitely accents. So I think it's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now let me go on. You know, as a teacher, that this is the way street. You need to train perception and you need to train production. Some people are very good at perceiving sounds, but they don't have the habit, so they don't produce the sound, right? Some other people can produce the sound, but they're not aware of the existence of the sound. So yeah. here is what natural language processing can help you a little bit. So there are tools online. There are so many tools out there. And... This one is the one I want to talk about. Google's hmm. how do you pronounce? When I was working on my thesis and I was doing all this research, you hadn't issued the Google how do you pronounce tool by then. So you actually right. released it right after I defended my thesis. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> too late, Hadar. So, <laughs> yeah, why didn't you tell me to wait? It took a long time to start working with Google on this. So all the bureaucracy, yeah. But how do you pronounce is a great tool. I think that your, your point there was to work on perception. That's why you have the lips. That's mm -hmm. why you have the sound, right? Mm -hmm. You and mean to you teach the computer perception. Yes. Yeah, well, what, what I mean is that, yeah, what you did was to work with engineers so that yeah. they could code the, mm -hmm. the pronunciation in such a yes. way that the computer could reflect it. Yes. Right? So you also have worked with artificial intelligence. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like big time, because I had to really explain to them how I think. So for those of you who don't know, I was consulting Google when they produce this feature that how to pronounce where you type in how to pronounce and then a word, then you can, it shows you this phonetic transcription, but you can also record yourself and get feedback. It's exactly. not perfect. It doesn't always detect your voice properly, but generally what I was doing there, I had two hats there. One was basically to explain how I think and how I work and what feedback I would give. Right. So like all of that, I was literally teaching the computer how to listen. So I would listen to sounds and transcribe it, explaining what I'm hearing. Right. So all of that process, I think they were learning. And, and of course, other things that I can't talk about. And then in addition to that, like how to present it to people in a way that is clear. Right. Because that is also that also needs to be intuitive and, and clear to understand what a person needs to focus on if there are several things, for example, and what feedback they get. Exactly. I remember that when Google released it, it didn't have the option for the person to record their, themselves. Right. It, took, it took it a while. And yeah, because I was going to use it with my students <clears throat> instead of the tools that I had, but it didn't have the option to produce. So it's okay when you train someone to perceive, but also when you link it to production and then Google had this little microphone there where you could record it and it came 
like I think it was a year after or some months after that. Three months after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it took it a while, but it was, I mean, that's the perfect connection. And that's like when you close the cycle and that's the important thing. And another question that I had for you since, since we are actually talking about how important it is for people to see what their voice is, is producing is mm-hmm. uh, why didn't you, well, I know that there are many opinions about the IPA out there, but mm. I, I also couldn't use the tool because it used somewhat English orthography mm-hmm. and you didn't use the IPA. And I want to, I want to know what the conversation was like. <laughs> okay. I think uh, they in particular were looking for something that is not IPA. So it's more accessible mm-hmm. and that the spelling for people who use the Roman language of like the alphabet, that familiar alphabet, it's not as intuitive for all speakers, right? Like it really depends on what your native language is. But to use a language, the English language also, it has to do with what they can present, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. up until that point, they had these features and characters that were very unintelligible. That means they had like double O, but this with little curvy line above it. And, you know, people did not know how to use it. So they wanted to do something that is a bit more intuitive and clear for people to understand how to read it, even without the IPA. Because IPA, everyone can go to the dictionary and find out. But, you know, they wanted to do something that is uh, more accessible because that's what Google is about, right? To make it accessible for everyone. Because to read IPA... You need to know IPA and we're talking about a very small percentage of the people using this. And also, I think the hardest thing here was really to represent. It was easy representing consonants, but the hardest thing was representing vowels, especially when... Because they change. (laughs) Because they change. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people see double O and they already associate it with their native language. Uh, not their, their native language or the common spelling in English. So double O is usually the lax uh, cook, look, book, right? But then when you use it for something else, so it could be very, very confusing, uh, which was a constant conversation that we had there. Yeah, I, I knew that there was, this was a conversation, definitely. And Google, oh, if you're listening, it would be really nice if you could add the IPA besides what you already did, <laughs> just for other people out I there agree. who understand the IPA. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think having both is great also so that you can can compare it. But yeah. And I think also like they couldn't use the characters of the IPA to show as easily, you know, so because the characters of the IPA, that's like a different script. And yeah. 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 Those are the technical issues that we don't want to go into. And also because those technical issues that actually make some virtual assistant or some app um, more or way easier to understand is what make them have a cost, an extra cost, right? So yes, we, yes. This, this is why I advocate for the use of technology that can be inclusive, but also I'm not saying that technology can replace a teacher. So you understand how if you are a teacher, if you're an expert and you can decode what the computer is doing or um, predict how the computer will behave, you can use it as a tool and yeah. you can... Yeah, for example, I know that many people, uh, many teachers, for example, um, they have an audio of their students and the students produce a complete paragraph and they don't know where to start. 
right? Yeah. They go like, oh, okay, we can start with vowels, consonants, and there's usually a pattern. And, and then automatic speech recognition can show you the patterns or you can see in the paragraph the words that are mo most commonly misspelled and then you can tell, okay, this is an, a highly frequent word and these the sound is a sound that actually makes a difference in meaning. Uh, so you can, as a teacher or as a pronunciation coach, you can prioritize and you can actually see how you're going to work first and what you're going to uh, tackle later, et cetera. And, and in such a way that the computer or the student can dictate the same paragraph three months after and see a, a high improvement. And it will see it because you tackled the sounds that were the most uh, problematic. And mm. if the student can see what they dictate at the first month, and then after six months, three months of training, they see a difference, then it's because, I mean, it's not easy to go like, hey, yeah, I taught you how to pronounce things. And I, to my perspective, you sound like a native speaker or you sound great. It's not the same as if the student actually can see what uh, a computer or an AI can do for them. Now, I'm not saying also that artificial intelligence is like, the greatest thing, because I know that it's uh, it still has a long way to go and it still has some mistakes that it has to correct, but there are so many people working on that, like me included. Like I, I'm working with virtual assistants that um, have to generate an answer for uh, the user's utterances. So if the virtual assistant does not understand what the person wanted, but the person wanted to zoom in, then mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the computer, A, this pronunciation zoom in may not look like zoom in, but computer, even though you don't like it, the person wants you to zoom in. So if mm -hmm. the person is saying um, jewelry, ghibli, ghibli, <laughs> if, the, if that sounds like to you, maybe the person wants you to zoom in. So the computer will take that as another option, right? Mm -hmm. And then it will increase uh, its database in such a way that, yeah, maybe in 10 years, computers will be able to understand us all in a better and more effective way. Yeah. But then they become <laughs> smarter than people in a way or less biased, <laughs> let's say, computers. Less biased. less biased, yes. Which on one hand is, uh, you know, an ideal world. And on the other hand, it's just... It creates a false, false, yeah, exactly. Representation of how things really are and how people are very, very rigid and how they hear, especially if they weren't exposed to a certain accent or dialect, right? And I wish we, I wish we could turn on the button and teach people how to listen like we do with computers. That could be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's another thing that, um, Jonathan texted me and he was like, Hey, can you please ask, uh, talk to Heather and talk about, testing like this TOEFL, IELTS and those standardized mm -hmm. tests which are using uh, automatic uh, speech recognition and artificial intelligence to process the speaking part. And it's like, okay, it's a good thing because you take the bias out and we all have a filter. And even if you are a highly trained examiner and you yeah. have to give a grade to uh, the speaking of a person, if you don't have like strict guidelines out there that take you out of the bias and it's like, yeah, the first thing is not hearing the accent, maybe. 
Yeah. Maybe if you don't hear the accent and you only read what the computer was able to retrieve, then as you had, I mean, you didn't tell me the nationality of the people, but you can tell what the L1 is and you can tell what the interference is. Maybe you can like, yeah. speculate, but you don't have a bias. You didn't see yeah. color of skin. You didn't see eyes. So I think this is what we can rescue from the current stage of artificial intelligence. Did I convince you? So beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with that last sentence, of course. Yeah, yeah uh, I know. I know. And, and um, so I've been using Pratt for mm -hmm. linguistic analysis and speech analysis. And uh, I have also a tutorial, a free tutorial on my website, on how to use Pratt. But teachers, for example, if you want to visualize what yeah. students are saying, and maybe you find it hard to perceive because we are all biased by our own perception skills. So when I started to use artificial intelligence, my claim was that, okay, if science, because yeah, I found so many quotes out, the, out there in literature, scientific research saying, yeah, maybe non-native teachers are not a good model. I was like, okay, if I cannot be a good model and then everything my students say will be will have to be filtered by my own bias, mm -hmm. then how am I going to be objective? How am I going to be able to help? But then when I have uh, automatic speech recognition and AI and computers to my side, they help me take a little bit of that bias out if I use them in such a way that um, they help me do my work or do my job so that students don't feel that, hey, the teacher just doesn't want to help me because she yeah. says this sound is not important. Like, for example, when I was doing the research, I was working with vowels. This is something important. Um, research and literature says that we work with minimal pairs. So, for example, mm -hmm. in Spanish, the kid vowel and the fleece vowel are a problem, right? But then um, students, instead, the kid vowel, if you tell them, hey, it's different from the fleece vowel, then they will go all the way to the dress vowel. And then mm -hmm. you have to exactly. teach the dress vowel. So <clears throat> literature won't often tell you. They, they go yeah. minimal pairs. But you know Very that true. sometimes we have to bring an extra ally so that students can create a new category or just distinguish. Understand. Because it's like a game where you have holes in a ball and you have to fit it in a hole. So if it doesn't go here and it doesn't go here, they'll find create a way, like a, a hole one. to put it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they'll they'll yeah. automatically go to a different sound. But what you're saying is the ultimate solution to create a new category, like or at least know that it exists. Yeah, exactly. It go like hey, it's not this one, but it's not this one either. So yeah. you, as the expert, you provide the student with enough samples so that they know. But it was also difficult for me because my perception is already biased by my L one. So I was yeah. like, okay. Let me look at that. And then when Pratt showed me the vowel chart and how close the kid vowel was to the dress vowel well, or to the yeah. Spanish A, was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like even Pratt you know, says, hey, they are super close. They're even closer than to the high E. So there was a research done. Israeli speakers also have five vowels, just like in Spanish, A, E, E, O, O. And uh, learners heard the E sound in isolation, and they were asked, which one is it closer to? The E, the Israeli E, or E? And like 98% said E. However, yeah. in pronunciation, 
everyone pronounces it as an E because spelling plays a, a significant component here. Exactly. So if you listen to it in isolation, E, they analyze it as E. But when e. they read it, they'll say sit, kid, lift, yeah. you know. So so definitely like all these elements play a significant role in determining um, how they place it in what category. Yeah, and when Pratt can tell you what to see or why is it that they are so hard even for you to distinguish, then you go like, oh, yeah. you see the Bible chart and you see how close they are. And you go like, this is why. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> they are exactly. really, really close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and sometimes you as a teacher or as a pronunciation coach, you have the feeling. And if you're a native speaker of one language, but you are not aware of what's going on in all of other languages, you go like, hey, why did the student say jewelry instead of saying zoom in? And then you go like, uh oh, how can I help this person? Absolutely. So you see what is there, and then you start tackling like in order, or you you get your priority according to your own process and how you decide to tackle it, right? So Yazi, how can people uh, get access to all those resources? Well, yeah. YouTube, Facebook, I have a website that is, well, a web page that is Jazzy Addis and in Instagram, Jazzy Addis. You know, I'm not very creative with marketing names, <laughs> but uh, it's my your website. Brand. Has your name is your brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jazzy is also an ETA member in English Teachers Academy, our community of teachers and membership. So we've known each other for yeah. <laughs> in all aspects, not just the um, teaching aspect. Yes. Yeah, and, and my website, you're going to see some English courses, but I also have uh, Pratt, Elan, and I am planning to update the Pratt tutorial that is for free over there. I don't, I don't charge it because I know how hard it is to work with Pratt if, you so are not, hard. if you're not familiar with it. But yeah. I also, sometimes I open courses when I have like many people who have actual data and they don't know how to process it and they want specific things, then I open a course and then we go over each ones and stuff. Amazing. Like so yeah, teachers, pronunciation it. teachers, if you want to learn how to use those tools, then definitely contact Jazzy and, um, and go to her website and find out more about what she offers. This was an incredible conversation. I was so happy. I, I could have, you know, we could have continued yeah, for another hour or so, I think. I, I have so many other things that people ask me for, but we will have to have another life. <laughs> we, we will have a follow-up for sure. Yeah. Amazing. So thank you so, so much. And, uh, and that last thing you want to share with people? Well, um, first, thank you, Hadar, because these questions that I asked you and everything, I had wanted to have this conversation way before this day. It was my favorite thank part. Thank you so much for thank having you. me. And yeah, um, people out there, just uh, the thing that I get from the current state of AI is first be inclusive and try to learn and expose your ear to as many accents as possible because that's the trend. And exactly. another thing is that um, pronunciation coaches, you can visualize data. You don't have to always rely on your intuition and be afraid if you're doing it right or wrong. Just you can visualize data and, and tackle it more effectively or quicker or maybe find and introduce the use of um, automatic speech recognition and AI in your process so that wow. the students can also see. I know that some pronunciation coaches use Pratt and then they produce the vowel charts and then they, they show the students, hey, you're pronouncing it in here. You have to open your mouth. They use the vowel chart and personalized 
vowel chart. And yeah. sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the speaker. It depends on the, the specific um, necessities of the client. But you guys are experts. So pronunciation coaches, you know what that person needs. And, and if you can get tools to visualize and help them see their process, you will sound more reliable or maybe you will take the intuition and subjective part out and your bias yeah. out and try to be more objective of what you're teaching. Yeah. Right? And, and, teaching. and confidence is everything. You know, we talk about it in language learning, definitely yes. in teaching. When you have that something else to rely on, I think that really helps you build your confidence. And, you know, it's a confirmation for whether or not you're on the right track. So definitely use that. Yeah. As- yeah. Because there are so many people out there I was listening to a podcast and, and these people, are, they are experts in TEFL. And the presenter, she says that she receives lots of hate comments because people go like, hey, I don't even understand your accent. So she might feel afraid and she might feel that her accent is not good enough. But when other hundreds of thousands of people understand them, uh, because she's in a podcast, right? But if you're not in a podcast and you want to know if your speech could be understood and you don't want to feel afraid of judgment, just dictate to Google something. And then you will see like if the computer is able to understand you, then you shouldn't feel bad. And then it's not your problem. It's the the problem is of the listener who hasn't exposed him or herself to enough accents and they are not efficiently trained for the new trend coming and maybe computers will take their jobs <laughs> if they are not willing to they don't hire other teachers or accept Absolutely. other accents yeah because what if different. what if like global companies stop training their employees in like pronunciation or accent training or let's call it what they actually call it accent reduction yeah. right lose your accent okay what should i speak with an accent yeah. is an accent and instead train people to listen better right yeah the, the enterprise says we only hire native teachers you have to be aware that that will be a problem in the future if you're only used to native speakers and there are so many non-native speakers out there and the computers are able to understand them better than you, then you will not be ready to be effective in the job market. So be aware, just take that into account. Companies are spending so many millions and billions of dollars so that computers can understand everyone, then you should better try to understand everyone as well. Uh, that's <laughs> it. That's it. I'm not going to add anything. I'm just going to read it. Yes. Okay, Jesse, thank you so, so much. It was such a pleasure. Uh, thank you for all your wisdom and insights. And I, I will see you soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you yes. so much. And I'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>